0: Coming to you live in an undisclosed location in a basement in West Rogers Park. We are the J3 Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to
1: the J3 Amateur Hour Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan. I'm here with... This is Josh. Hi, Jordan. Hi, Josh.
0: (laughs) Josh, that was a great intro. Thank you. I tried. I tried to, you know, do my best.
1: Great. Uh, Josh, you were out and about last night. Can you tell the listeners about that?
0: yeah we had a uh, podcast sim call last night one of our great guests Hal Garfingel his son got engaged to another good friend of ours from Chicago so it was uh you know once you're on this podcast you're part of the family and it was great to see him again and saw a lot of lot of good people there last night okay I was not made aware of this event <laughs> so but I'm happy you went I went I saw a lot of people uh, Hal was mobbed by people you know maybe because of his son getting engaged I think it was more from his appearance on the pod people were talking about it i do have to give a shout out to a special listener zahava welder who is that she's, she's my daughter's friend and um, apparently she's a huge fan of the pot i had no idea but she was at my house last week for a shear and uh wanted to come down specifically to see the equipment and to kind of see where the magic happens and i uh, was very excited to to be in the room and uh, she was there last night so shout out to uh, our number one fan uh, zahava welder
1: Nice. Okay. Moving on, though. We have to set the record straight on a couple things. I will apologize to the audience. I messed up. I was corrected. David Hartman correctly pointed out that Livia Soprano actually died before the filming of season three. I looked it up. So she was in the first two seasons of The Sopranos.
0: Can I just say that when you said that initially, I also said it was probably wrong? (laughs) Go go, go back and listen. I don't believe anything you said. Go back and
1: listen. Thanks, Dave. Um... (laughs) And I also was privileged to receive an email from my dear wife to remind the listeners. We talked about, I don't know, the relevance to the podcast anymore. Kind of forgot about that. But the, we were talking about <laughs> famous, great people who were in season one of something, like a TV show, and were killed off or didn't come back for season two. My wife emailed about someone named... Roger Jean Page, who played Simon Bassett in a show called Bridgerton on Netflix, she said that he was not seen in season two. The young lady he married in season one had a child and was a main character. It was very obvious he did not make an appearance. Exclamation point. I don't know what she's talking about, but (laughs) it's a great email and I really appreciate it. And uh, I guess in Bridgerton, there was a character that didn't come back. Was he killed off or he just didn't come back? I don't know. It's not really clear <laughs> from the email, but yeah. Okay. okay. And I thought of a couple others. Number one, there was an issue with David Caruso and NYPD Blue. Do you remember that? I do. It's a great call. And he came back in season two, but they like
0: killed him off or something. No, I don't think he came back. I think it was Jimmy Smith started with season two. I think Caruso just on for one year, I believe.
1: Okay, fine. The other one that I want to mention that I thought that none of us thought of was House of Cards. Do you remember Kate Mara's character? No,
0: incorrect. She was on the second season for but one she episode. Was
1: killed. It was like the huge surprise. Se- yes. First episode. Yes. Season yes. two. Main character. All of a sudden, hit by a train. It's a
0: great call, but I. It's disqualified. The answer is disqualified because she did come back for season two.
1: Okay. But Fair. it's a, that was a, that was a huge shock.
0: Huge shock when that happened.
1: I was thinking about that one. Okay. Another one. Um, we had a listener, one of our favorite West Coast slash Israel listeners, sent a great email in response to our criticisms of Pacific Time. I think we should go through it. It's worth it. And by the way, it was a little hurtful, some of what he said. (laughs) Okay. So he said, hey, guys, blah, 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 some issues. He said he agrees that there are some minor downsides with Pacific time and that you can't watch college football ever, basically, due to Shabbos. But all in all, it's a tremendous win. Okay, he he gives examples. Can I
0: can I interject real quick? Yeah, he now lives in Israel, so Israel is the perfect place to watch college football because it starts at like eight p.m. Saturday night. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does
1: some games, West Coast games. Most of it is at like noon on Saturday. Not in Israel. Oh, my, you're, my saying, point is you're saying you
0: could watch you can watch games after Saturday, Saturday night games. and you're watching live.
1: Okay, so he didn't he didn't use that as a plus. He must must not be a college football fan. Okay, people really don't care about that. I mean, that's no, why if, the ten is. If, 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 if
0: you were a college football fan, you'd want to move to Israel. Okay, and, so you, and said, you kept Chavez.
1: All right, so he said, as a kid, you can watch hours and hours of playoffs and never have to go to sleep and miss a game. <laughs> I mean. What? I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> right? Like, we, everyone does that everywhere. Right. If your team's in the playoffs, you stay up. Right. That's not specific to If it's a big playoff game. Okay. So, rejection of number one. Number two, regarding newspapers on Shabbos, ask your local Orthodox rabbi. But in theory, if you were to obtain a sports section on Shabbos morning, it would have all the late scores. How do you think a generation of fans learned in 2002 that the Lakers beat the Kings in a controversial game six? My response to that is that... Yeah, maybe back in the day, I feel like all newspapers have been gutted, and even on the West Coast nowadays, you don't really know the scores. They it comes out a couple of days
0: later. It's true. I'm a big paper guy, and uh, you know, back at then, 20 years ago, you got all this. You didn't get the West Coast scores, but you got all the other scores was the next day. You usually spent Pesach in San Diego,
1: uh, so mean, you you're familiar with the newspaper there.
0: <laughs> I am, but that was you know post internet. And my, my point is that all the scores were always the next day. If the Cubs or whatever had a late game, that wouldn't generally be in the paper, but. Anything that finished before like 10 or 10.30 was in the paper?
1: Okay, no one reads the paper for scores anymore. It's not useful on Shabbos. Okay, if you live in Israel, number three, if you live in Israel, it's a tremendous win to have been from the West Coast and follow a West Coast team, especially if said team is about to make the playoffs for the 11th straight time. He's talking about the Dodgers. Just as a comparison, the White Sox, since 1903, which is the birth of modern baseball, have made the playoffs (laughs) in only 11 total seasons. Those are fighting words, Aaron Kass. <laughs> he knows I'm a White Sox fan. He said, by being 10 hours ahead, I can pretty much watch every home game since they start at 5 a.m. in Israel. Helps if your kids wake up at 5. Okay, we don't live in Israel. We don't care. I, mean, I don't care <laughs> about the Dodgers. They're not going to make the World Series. They're not a great team. Aaron has sent great emails. This was not one of the better ones. Pacific Coast time conclusion, Josh? Not a fan. Not a fan. Okay, moving on. We have a big guest coming to us live. She is a big time Instagram, TikTok, blogger, influencer, social media personality. Her name is Alyssa Goldwater. We will now pause for station identification while we wait for her arrival.
2: You're listening to the J3 Amateur Hour Podcast.
1: We are here with a special guest, Alyssa Goldwater. Hi. That's right. You are a big social media personality, TikTok, Instagram, blog, stuff like that. I don't know, I'm not such a big social media guy. Do you wanna maybe introduce yourself? I feel like everyone knows you, but (laughs) today we're gonna get to know the real you. Exactly.
2: So I'm Alyssa Goldwater. You can find me on social media at Alyssa Goldwater. We talk a lot about body positivity, mental health, All good things, really just supporting women through all walks of life. Not men? (laughs) My target audience is women. I'm happy to be speaking with you both today
1: also. (laughs) Awesome. Okay, Alyssa, you're not from Chicago. You are a Kentucky native, is that right? I
2: am, wow. You did your research. Jordan does his homework.
1: I Googled you. Yeah,
2: (laughs) that's hilarious. Yeah, my new Google title is Internet Personality. That was a big addition this year. Yeah. Very cool. Google thinks I'm actually famous. So
0: maybe you are. Do you have a Wikipedia page?
2: Not yet.
1: Okay. So, Alyssa, why don't you tell us where you're from and how you wound up in Chicago?
2: Well, so I'm from Kentucky, and then I went to Indiana University for college, and I became from Orthodox in college, and then. I moved to the tri-state area after I lived in Israel for a little while, thinking that that's where you go to meet a nice Jewish husband. And I ended up meeting my husband who's from Chicago, which is how I live here now.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. How long have you lived here?
2: I've been here for eight and a half years.
1: Fantastic. What are your thoughts on Chicago?
2: It's a nice place. I wish it were like a little more country. I'm, a co- I'm really a country girl.
0: Wait, but, but, but can we go back real quick to college? Um, so how did you become from, like, was it like Chabad, was it? So
2: there was a Chabad on campus, but the, at the time there was also an Aish couple. And basically, I was vice president of my sorority. The rabbi and Rebitson came to my sorority to talk about their programming and I emailed them and I said, respectfully, I'm not interested in your programming, but I'd love to babysit for your kids. So
1: it was a Jewish sorority, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why do you want to babysit for their kids?
2: Oh, well I had grown up babysitting um, and I was just, you were
1: looking for, I was looking
2: for a job and I really enjoyed babysitting. So, she was like, "Yeah, sure, come on over." And then they convinced me to go on Birthright, and it was all downhill from there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you did not like Birthright?
2: I actually loved Birthright. It was like,
1: does anyone not like Birthright?
0: What do you I, mean? I mean, free no, awesome trip. I don't Israel. know. I mean, like, or I should I should say, like, did it have the anticipated effect on you? It-
2: and more. Like, I was super inspired. It was an Orthodox-run trip, so the Madre Chot on the trip were Orthodox girls, and it was the middle of summer, and I was like, why are you dressed like that? Why are you not, like, high-fiving the A.E.P.I. guys on this trip? And all of their answers really, really spoke to me, and I started asking questions, and sort of like gaining that sensitivity. And then that was the end of my sophomore year. And then by the end of my junior year, I was Shomer Shabbos.
0: So growing up, you had no exposure at all to like Orthodoxy?
2: Not to Orthodoxy, no. There's a large Jewish community in Louisville, Kentucky, which is where I'm from, otherwise known as Louisville. But (laughs) Louisville, for the record, is how you're actually supposed to say it. And um, there's a large Jewish community there, just not so large in the Orthodox, world but did, it's growing now
1: uh, did, did, people forget that uh josh could you name whose grandfather was a rabbi in louisville kentucky a friend of yours a fellow jerusalem gold resident
0: i'm still blinking.
1: rabbi <laughs> irving p
0: glickman oh yes 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 i okay. did know that um so did you have like a passover seder growing up oh was yeah it, so-, so
2: i grew up going to a conservative shul okay um i'd call myself more like Reformative, sort of like in the mix. I went to overnight Jewish summer
1: you had, you had camp. A bat
2: yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Lained Did you see fr- the Adam
1: Sandler movie about the bat Mitzvah? I haven't yet? seen it yet. <laughs> it's, it's actually pretty good.
2: I haven't <laughs> seen it yet. I've been a little busy the last few weeks. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I haven't seen it yet. But I've actually heard good things about it. But I yes. laned from the Torah. Okay. I could do it's coming up. Bracious is my parsha.
0: Not an easy parsha. And I
2: did, I did, <laughs> did the Did you do whole
0: the whole thing? Wow. thing? Did you really? From the Torah?
2: I, yes. Wow. With a crystal yad.
0: That's impressive. I
2: did the whole thing, man. And the haftorah. Torah. Did you
0: have siblings growing up?
2: No, I'm an only child. Okay. Pride and joy right there. Okay.
0: And were your parents like initially receptive to you becoming from? Or were they like hesitant?
2: So my mom passed away when I was nine. Okay. And my dad definitely thought... he I was never a bad kid. I was not a challenge. I did things the right way. So when I sort of... Started doing this, he was like, okay. He definitely thought it was a phase until I had him meet Adam, my husband, when we were like gonna get married. And he comes back to me, he's like, are you sure about this? <laughs> right.
1: Once he's, you do that,
0: there's no going he's back. He's like,
2: are you sure about this? And I'm like, yeah, I really, really like him. And he's like, no, all of this. And I'm like, yes, dad. And I think that was when he was like, oh, okay. Uh-huh. And he's actually become a lot more spiritual in his own way since I've become from. He lanes to fill in every day. He davens. He still um,
0: lives in Louisville? Yeah, he does. Okay.
2: He's just an overall nice guy. He doesn't eat pork anymore. He doesn't eat shellfish. So, you know, we're making waves with dad. He's very receptive.
0: And how did did you meet Adam, your husband?
2: We were set up by a mutual friend. I was living in New Jersey. He was living here. I was at a Shabbos meal and this girl goes, all of a sudden, you know, she goes, I know who you're gonna marry. And you're like, yeah, okay. Cause like everyone is like, oh, I have the best idea for you, you know? And um, it turned out to be a good idea. And we dated long distance for about six weeks. And then 10 weeks later, we were married.
1: Wow. Crazy. And he's a Chicagoan?
2: Yeah. He's from Highland Park and he's also a Balchuva.
1: Okay, cool. Okay, so then you immediately moved to Chicago when you got married?
2: Yeah, that was like, I didn't really have a preference for where we lived. And he was like, I'm not leaving Chicago because he became from in the West Rogers Park community and is really close to a lot of people here. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, great. Midwest is definitely closer to Kentucky than New York, New Jersey anyway. So... I wasn't such a farm girl when we got married. Now I would like to go live on a farm in Wisconsin and bring 10 families with me and just uh-huh. have like a kibbutz there.
0: There is a family here that has chickens. I know that. I've seen them A couple around. of families
2: have chickens here. Okay. I want chickens. I want, I want goats. I really want a dairy cow.
0: Instead, you got a dog.
2: We did get a dog.
0: <laughs> this She's is recent? New.
2: She's brand new. She came home on Sunday and she is my pride and joy.
0: <laughs> What's her name?
2: Her name is Birdie. Birdie, yeah, nice. named
0: name for Charlie Parker. No, <laughs> okay. just a, just a nice Southern
2: Belle named Birdie. Okay, and um, she is just the best. I could cry. I mean, I cry about her. <laughs> I love her so much.
0: My wife always wanted a dog, and I am allergic to dogs, so unfortunately, we cannot have one. So yeah, um, I wanted to you, bring Birdie today. Wait but. a second, Unless, you did have a dog. We had. We tried. I actually, I think I told you this. We tried for like three days, and. I could not breathe with a dog in the house, and That's it was like a, it was still a big decision who was going to leave. But uh, I won, thankfully. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was a close it, call. It was very
0: close. <laughs>
1: Okay. So then a a big part of your life is this social media aspect, right? So did that start right away when you were married or that kind of came later? What did you do in Chicago when you first moved here?
2: Okay. So when I first moved here, I was actually Micha Greenland's assistant at NCSY.
1: A great man. So
2: he's the international director of NCSY for Mm -hmm. anyone who doesn't know, although I'm sure everybody knows. So my husband liked to call me the number two person in (laughs) Kiruv because I kept his life going for him. And I did that for about three years. And then before. I moved here I was working for NCSY but in Manhattan and then when I had my daughter shortly after we got married I started posting just as a creative outlet I had postpartum depression and it was the middle of winter and I felt very isolated and alone and then I got pregnant with my son very shortly after I had my daughter my kids are 12 months apart
0: Irish twins yes wow and what year was this just so we can kind of So
2: my I got married in 2015, my daughter was born January 2016 and my son was born January 2017.
0: So you had your hands full.
2: So I had my hands <laughs> quite full and like I needed an outlet for it and I okay. realized that a lot of moms were also struggling but in silence because at the time no one was really speaking out yet about mental health and like the struggles of motherhood. It was like all perfect on social media and I was like well let's show a the real story, and people appreciated it. So I just kept posting. People liked it. Eventually, like companies reached out to me. You could call me like a mommy blogger back
1: then. Wait, so this has got to go a little slower than that, right? Meaning you start posting. Let's say you've got like your friends and your network of family. Let's say you know a couple hundred people, for example. How is it that you go from posting, people liking it, and then companies reaching out? I mean, there's got to be some type of jump. So where I mean, for companies, so
2: for companies to reach out to give you free stuff, you don't have to have that many followers. Like you don't even need 10,000 followers. And I would say probably around like the 6,000 follower mark, I was like, oh, maybe this could be, you know, a side hustle or Mm -hmm. something. And then I think I left NCSY when I had about 22,000 followers, which was three years after having my daughter.
0: Did you have any like training in this or like in terms of like marketing or knowing how to use social media, or we just natural?
2: No, I'm just good at it. Okay.
0: No, no, I mean, clearly <laughs> this you also, are. Josh, there
1: was, this was also kind of like, let's say, what, seven years ago. It this was like it the was beginning this, right. of this type of
0: thing. Yeah, everyone was learning. Personality I, mean, it, I mean, Instagram was still a thing then though, right? Yeah,
2: it was of the course. beginning of it and it was much easier to break into then than it is now. And, you know, obviously TikTok was not a thing back then. Now you can go to college and you can major in social media management. I uh-huh. didn't even know that. That's how old I am. I learned as I went. I learned from other creators who had, you know, started doing it before me. I connected with other like mommy bloggers who were posting.
0: So from the beginning, your sort of mission or your theme was positivity. And like, basically, like you said, let's tell the real story, right? Let's not kind of create this persona of a perfect life, but let's show people how life really works.
2: So like not even so much positivity because there is such thing as toxic positivity. It was really just like supporting people Through the good times and also the good times, and recognizing that, like, it's okay to have a hard time with your kids. It's okay to get annoyed with your kids. It's okay to be sad. You know, you're allowed to have your struggles and you can't keep them inside. Like, it's okay to talk about them. You shouldn't feel bad sharing that you're struggling. And I think one of the most important things when someone is struggling is this idea of common humanity, where if you can find at least one other person who's going through the same thing that you're going through, it automatically lightens your burden and your load, and it makes things more bearable for you. And I've gotten that response. It's why I continue to do what I do. Like, so many people daily tell me, you're the reason I went to therapy, or like, you make me I never loved my body before and now I've learned to love myself again. Like, thank you. That's why I continue to do what I do. And at the beginning, it was not really about body positivity for me. I was very stuck in like the throes of diet culture and I had this new mom bod that we don't really need to discuss here.
0: (laughs) But you also had two small kids. No, but I had
2: two small kids, but at the same time, there's this expectation that women have babies and then their body needs to automatically go back to the way it was before. And that wasn't happening for me. And it eventually did lead to me having an eating disorder and being in recovery now from it for over a year. So this, New way of life and this new mindset about body positivity and loving yourself regardless of your size and not restricting foods is a relatively new mindset for me, but it's completely changed my life and it's totally changed the lives of the people that follow me too.
1: And your messages and you know, following your your path, I, I'm sure you have followers that were there for, since the beginning. Do you do you ever hear from people who have been like a follower of your page? in your stuff since you started or is it new people coming on and other people dropping out? I mean, I I think
2: there are definitely people who have like been there from the beginning and we kind of just evolved together. There are women who definitely like used to be stuck in the I hate my body and skinny is the only way to be. And now together we've sort of learn to lead happier lives because the our weight is the least interesting thing about us
0: so and i I want to get back to that in a second but let us i mean how did it go from you posting about like you said sort of like showing people that let's talk about life the way it really is you grew organically i'm assuming initially obviously you've gotten you know from that time it's you've grown and grown and grown so like was that a conscious decision? Was it something that just happened? Did you kind of did you kind of like start this in order to become, you know, what you've become in terms of your following base and your ability to do this, you know, to make a living doing this? or did it just sort of like as you were starting, you realized like, hey, I'm good at this. People like what I'm saying. This should be my thing.
2: I realized that there was a need for what I was telling people. And listen, like I'm not going to lie. It feels good when people give you positive responses to – The things that you're putting out there in the world. It was a great way for me to meet people in the Chicago community. You know, I was still fairly new here at the time and was trying to like find my way and my place as this like new mom and wife in Chicago. I'd never really lived in an Orthodox community for so long before. It sort of got to a point where I loved what I was doing and I had so much fun doing it and I couldn't, do my job at NCSY full time anymore and give the energy I wanted to for this. And it came to a point where the partnerships started coming in and I felt comfortable taking, you know, obviously it's a leap to go work for yourself. But I said, you know, if I can put all of my time into this, I can really make it something. So that was sort of a big turning point for me until then. It had just been... You could call it a hobby or a side hustle.
0: But you enjoyed it, obviously.
2: I loved it. And, you know, I have ADHD and I was diagnosed as an adult after I left NCSY, like only two and a half years ago. And I never really wanted a job. I never, I just never had that like pull to do something. And after being diagnosed with ADHD, it made total sense (sighs) why I can't sit at a desk all day, why like... Getting things done can be so hard for me, and with my job now, you know I have free reign of my schedule. Obviously, I have to like make myself concentrate, and medication helps with that. Which no shame in the medication game. Do what you need to do. See, I've lost my train. No no, 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 no. no. <laughs>
0: so, so, Jordan, so obviously, part
1: of part of the leap in you know leaving leaving your work and focusing on your own career in in this realm. Is the monetization of, of the job. So how, how did that aspect start? You said earlier on that you started to get some free stuff, which I'm curious what it was. And then <laughs> and then at what point were you like, there's real money in this?
2: So the first thing I got for free was a poop spray.
0: <laughs> like to sp- to, like to an air like...
2: like an air freshener okay. for um uh-huh. like diapers and stuff like that mm-hmm. it smelled disgusting <laughs> but you know hey someone's giving me free stuff of course i'm going to post it you know okay and then there are pla- you know i networked with other moms who were doing similar things that i was doing and there are platforms online they're not used as much anymore but where brands can put in what kind of influencer they need, and then you can apply Mm -hmm. to, like, their campaigns. So I started doing that, and I was charging, like, $200, but, like, that's a lot of money, you know, for someone who's not making any money at all, and this is not even my job. So I started really small, getting small campaigns for random things. Then it turned into like Pampers and Target. And I was like, hey, I'm really doing this, you know? And it sort of grew from there. I know it's not like, there's not like one moment where it all just changed or I sort of started doing something different. I just kept doing what I was doing and people liked what I was saying. And it kept growing.
1: Right. So what's what's the price at now? Let's say the J3 podcast wanted to <laughs> advertise, be like a regular <laughs> advertiser. I guess the first question is, like, and what's it at in terms of that? And the second is, are you selective in terms of who you're willing to partner with?
2: So before, like at the beginning, it was like, you want to work with me and give me money? I will post whatever <laughs> you want me to post. And I learned the hard way. I posted something. I'll tell you a story. I posted an ad for Clorox Sentiva, it's like a cleaning solution for like the floor. So
0: Clorox got in touch with you. Yeah. Wow.
2: Through one of these okay. platforms, and I was like, "Yeah, Clorox, sure," but I had never smelled the product before, and I'm like, "Yeah, it's gonna smell like cleaning supplies." Well, Sentiva, the point is, is that it doesn't smell like cleaning <sighs> supply. It smells like a pina colada, <laughs> and it made me so nauseous. But like I still had to post it. And that was actually a moment I will never forget. I felt bad posting it, but I couldn't go back on it. So now I'm very selective with what I post. I And my audience knows that. And not every influencer is like me, but my brand runs on integrity and authenticity. And if I don't have trust with my audience, I have no business. So I will only post something that I love, have used. If it's new to me, I've tried it and I like it and I know my audience will resonate with it also. So I'm very selective now. As for prices, you can email my manager. <laughs> you can email my manager. I mean, we're
1: right here. Let's <laughs> you don't want to negotiate.
2: <laughs> you can email my manager okay. and she's happy to discuss deliverables with you. So thank God I've grown big enough where I have a manager who's helping me manage like details of my partnerships. People still come to me and then I direct them to her and she's able to like negotiate the rates for me. I would love to work with you all.
1: Yeah, maybe we'll have to do that. Josh, Josh will pay for it. <laughs> yeah. um, you used to frequently collaborate with a personality from Buffalo Grove. I believe her name was Andrea Doesn't Give a, a Duck. I think you went on a morning TV show with her, but it's been some time. Anything behind the scenes there? What, what happened with that?
2: We did go on a morning show together. You really do your research.
0: <laughs> He's known for that.
2: And our relationship just sort of fizzled out.
0: I gotcha. I wish her all Nothing the best. Nothing more to the story?
2: I Not for the podcast. <laughs>
1: Jordan's trying to get some beef there. Um, That's but- Lush and Hara. <laughs> okay. I wanted, I, wanted to, I wanted to talk about authenticity. And maybe this is maybe like more of a philosophical question or just to get your thoughts on this. You know, in my mind, you your brand is very much on, you know, showing the real life behind the scenes. Not kind of like no toxic positivity. This is the real stuff. I have trouble wrapping my head around that just because I think that, Anytime you've got a camera on you and you're curating something to put there for an audience, maybe not through any fault of yours, but anyone who's doing that, there's an inherent lack of authenticity. Even if you had a camera on you all day long, let's say, for example, like The Real World or The Bachelor, subconsciously, you know you're being photographed or filmed. How does a person remain authentic without acting for the camera? Okay. Is that possible even?
2: So I think for some people it is and for some people it isn't. For me, I do struggle with mental health. I have anxiety. I've been known to have like bouts of depression before and I don't have the energy to be anything other than what I am. Mm-hmm. Like, and that, I can't, that is just speaking me personally. Like I take breaks from Instagram when I don't have the energy to be there and you know, it's my job. I can't just go AWOL, you know? So I have to come on and I have to say, listen, like I can't get out of bed. I'm really struggling. So like, thank you for bearing with me while I get through this time. There's always a light at the end of the tunnel. And I know that you just never know how long, like the wave of hardness is going to be. I came on after Pesach, I had created so much content about Pesach for TikTok. It was insane. And I was ready to have this like nice Seder with my kids. You know, my daughter was reading now, so she was going to be able to like properly read at the Seder. It was so unbelievably difficult for me. I came on after Pesach. People will remember, like, I get comments about it still. I came on and I was like, Pesach was terrible. And if your holiday wasn't beautiful and it was terrible and you want to cry and pull your hair out, like I'm right here with you. I think I was crying even like it was so bad. And I just, I come on and I really just say that it's no show. I don't have the energy for it.
1: That's, you know, very admirable. I I would like to point out that I understand Josh would have a hard time relating to that because he goes on the, well, fan- I was say, he goes on the fanciest. I was going to say, why were you? You
0: could go on a program and get paid for it. So
2: I could, but my husband does not want to go away for Passover. He says he's worked in too many kitchens to trust the Kashras <laughs> on Pesach um, programs.
0: So let me ask you a question because you know we're talking about authenticity. And I do have to say, I don't have Instagram, but I did look at your reels, right? Yeah. Your stories. Um, and I was like transfixed. I got to tell you because I, you know too many times you. And I'm also a big proponent of mental health when I'm not uh, recording podcasts. I'm you know i very involved in an organization called Upward in sure. Chicago. It is something I'm passionate about, something that speaks to me, something I think everyone should be prioritizing. So I did just, first of all, thank you because what you create, your your stories are great. I mean, I think that they're real. I think that they are authentic. And I think that unlike a lot of different types of influencers, you're not trying to kind of create perfection. And even those that you know, we'll have like a little mess in the corner saying, oh, look at how I met you. Like, it's like you are you you appear to be very real, right? And I think that that's what translates and that's what gets people interested and wants to follow you, right? Because you're someone they can really relate to. So I feel like, do you feel like a, a sense of responsibility to, especially the, the kids that may be looking at your stuff, that may be you know, undergoing mental health struggles of their own, whether it's anxiety, whether they're being bullied? I know typically we speak more to the moms, but I'm just wondering in terms of the youth, which, which is... You know, really a big part of the revolution that we're seeing with mental health and some of the illnesses that were created over COVID, things like that. But do you feel like because of your platform, you have a responsibility to try and and you know, not the not that you're a, a therapist, but someone that's you know that has the. Uh, Josh, this is a really long question, yeah, cut Josh. This, Aaron. But uh, I, I mean, no, no, no. First of all, no, don't, keep it don't in. cut the question. We but, yeah. want to be authentic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but my right? but my my point is, my point is, like, do you feel like? a burden, not a, I guess a burden that people that are watching you and following you, it's sort of the responsibility. Like you are going to be in these people's minds and they, you may inspire them and you may just be the difference between whether or not they're able to function the next day. So, I mean, it's it just in that type of, and the
1: question there, do you feel the responsibility? Okay, okay. sorry. I'm sorry. I just, yeah. No,
2: I get it. I get the question. First of all, I just want to clarify that like I do have a lot of followers who are not necessarily moms. So I would say that like my demographic is women in general, ages like 25 to 44 are my biggest demographic. I do have a lot of older ladies that love me and I have. I've done market research there, but I'll answer your question. I feel a huge sense of responsibility because I know kids as young as like eighth grade are on social media and looking at my stuff. And I know that because they tell my daughter that she's famous (laughs) when they see her at school or at camp. And I'm like, can you please stop telling my daughter she's famous? Like the girl's got a big enough ego to begin with. She's seven and a half. Um, But. First of all, it's not my business, like whose kids are on social media and whose kids are not. It's not my business whether like, let's leave my opinion of like, whether they should be on social media out of it. But the fact is, is that they are. I always say everyone's on social media, whether we like it or not. And when Mashiach comes, I won't have a job anymore. I will garden on my farm, bring Korbanos to the base of Mikdash, And like, I'm totally fine not having a job anymore when Mashiach comes. But for now, people are on social media, and we need to meet them where they are. And it can be used for good or bad. So like, let's do good. I know that kids are watching me. And I think about every single thing that I post, not only for, you know, those girls in high school who are watching me, but also like for my own kids, I want this stuff is gonna be on social media forever and I want them to be proud of me and like I would never wanna put something out there that's not gonna be appropriate for their own consumption as well. Even though my plan for my kids and social media, I hope that they don't have social media in eighth grade. But that's a different story for when we get there.
1: I'm I'm curious a lot. Excuse me, Josh. You had I, I you was, was going to thank her for answering my ridiculous question because it was in my okay. head. I made a lot of more sense. Did joyous. I answer it? You did. Thank okay. you, Josh. Appreciates it. Okay, Alyssa, you talked a little bit about some of your own mental health struggles, and you know, f- besides for the responsibility and the burden that Josh talked about at length, <laughs> um, there's obviously there's it, it, what I think could be more overwhelming is just dealing with fame. you know, A lot of people crack under that pressure. You're obviously filming your authentic life and all that stuff. But then let's say when you go out to Jewel or you go to Target or you go to Shoal and you're seeing a lot of people, it's like you have this conscious awareness that they have kind of followed your every movement the past week or know what's going on in your life. How does that affect you?
2: So in a couple of different ways, sometimes it's nice because if I'm having a hard time, people already know and I don't need to explain it to them. I don't assume that everybody follows me. Like, that's a weird thing to do. But sometimes I would, like, start saying something and they're like, I know. And I'm like, okay, great. We can skip the (laughs) niceties, you know? I really like it when people come over to me and say hi and introduce themselves. And I get it a lot. It means I'm doing a good job at what I'm doing and it makes me feel really good.
0: These are people you don't know.
2: Yeah, or even people that I do know telling me about like specific things that I've talked about that have resonated with them. Like the emails I get like from people in the community and at large, I know that I'm making a difference and what I'm doing is important. You know, yes, I share Amazon links and yes, I share things about fashion, but like let's talk about plus size fashion for a second. You guys are men, so maybe you don't resonate so much with this. However, as a woman... Your clothes can make or break how you feel and your shopping experience as well, especially if you're feeling insecure about your body. And when you can find something that feels good on you, it can totally change your day, your simcha, how you're feeling about yourself. So like on the surface level, it might seem like I'm sharing clothing, but really I'm sharing and creating confidence within women and themselves. Yeah,
1: that's great. There's never any point where you're like, I really just want some anonymity or privacy at this time. Do you ever get that feeling where like I kind of don't want people to know about the trip that I'm going on, or let's so, say you took well, a she
0: mark- just, she doesn't have to share. Which just want people to know. So,
1: so you do have that. Like you're not sharing everything.
2: So for privacy and safety, also, like I will not share where we are exactly until we're not there anymore unless it's a work trip like I went to the Bahamas this year with Grand Hyatt Bahamar and like that was about sharing where I am at that time in the moment, right. so I shared that but when we go to Michigan for the week at the end of the summer like that's our family vacation I tell people we're in New Buffalo but like I'm not going to share you know like coordinates the tour of the house or like, we're at new Buffalo beach right now, come find me. Right. You know, if someone sees me and they know me, like that's great and I really do enjoy it, but I'm not always posting. It's usually I post after we leave. Are,
0: you, are your husband and kids part of your stories generally?
2: That's a great question. So Adam does not like social media and for himself and he's supportive of my job, but he chooses not to be on and I respect and support that as his wife. My kids were definitely more involved when they were younger. And over the last few years, I've started to see the dangers of little kids being on social media. So I've really pulled back about what I share of them. And it's very concentrated when I share something about them and in a very specific way. So, like, I cannot share them if they're wearing a school sweatshirt or a camp sweatshirt you know, my daughter in a bathing suit, even though it's a sneas bathing suit. I just very, very careful about what I share. If I go live, I don't let them come on. I rarely say their names or their information anymore. And it's always their choice now. You know, like if we're apple picking and I want to share like a cute picture or a video with them on it, I always ask them and I, yes, a child under the age of 18 cannot really consent to, they don't really understand what that means. But if they're, if they say, I don't want to do it. Okay. That's fine. Mm -hmm. And
0: right. But, but they're not like really comprehending the fact that like, Hundred thousand people are going to see this video. No, they
2: don't understand. They know that, like, based on you know what their counselors have told them, that people are seeing them, and sometimes, like, you know, my daughter will come home and say, "Can you share this or something like that?" And you know, I have to decide. Pay me for it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I should be paying. I should be paying her. Kids are not content, and they are not workers. If kids are more than twenty five percent max of your content, something's wrong. They're being exploited. When I was a, you know, quote unquote, mommy blogger back in the day, they were my whole content. But thank God the platform has, you know, evolved. And I've created a community that is, yes, I have kids. And yes, things happen with my kids. But it's so much more than that, that I don't need them anymore. And I don't want them to be. I was
1: thinking maybe, uh, you know, doing this podcast, we've grown our own maybe more of a cult following but we've got some numbers you know we see the metrics as well and Josh specifically was at an event last night and he was mobbed by um, <laughs> some younger, <laughs> younger women and friends of his daughter and other fans and you know sometimes for him the fame could be overwhelming you know how would you suggest someone that's maybe more new and growing such as the J3 podcast how can we better deal with fame? I'm
0: surprised you didn't mention my 99 Twitter followers
2: <laughs> wow
0: <laughs> 99
2: if I knew my password to Twitter, <laughs> I would get you to 100. That would be
0: amazing. Thank you.
2: <laughs> I literally can't log in.
1: Okay. I guess that was more of a facetious question. Don't bother answering. You no, know, no. I I have a question though. Yes. Unless you wanted to answer that one.
2: Well, I just, I'll say like, I'm an extroverted introvert. So like, obviously I'm so good at being around people, but like I thrive when I'm by myself. Like when I was in New York last week, I literally traveled everywhere. Muncie, Borough Park, Flatbush, Lakewood, Passaic, Tina. I, it was way, a
0: lot. I know that because I had your schedule.
1: It was a <laughs> oh my gosh.
2: <laughs> I sent him a screenshot of my entire curvy girl tour schedule of where I was going to like try on plus size clothing. I meant to send it to my friends, and a week later, yeah, I texted him and oh. I was like, "Oh my gosh."
0: <laughs> I was thinking, I was like, "I mean, okay." I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "I'm happy to have your schedule, but I never." I was ask like, "Oh it. my gosh,
2: I did not mean to send that to you," and that's how crazy my week was because I didn't even realize. So you're welcome. Yes,
0: I. It was great. Yeah. Um, We got. Were you done? Uh, No. So
2: basically, like, it's very overwhelming for me to be around all those people all the time. And I take the car rides because you know there's a lot of traffic over there. I take the car rides as my time to like rejuvenate myself and like recharge my battery. Like, there is nothing I love more than sitting on my couch, not talking to anyone, watching Netflix at night. Like, that's my recharge time. I've had
1: a hard time finding things to watch on Netflix. what have you been watching lately?
2: Well, I'm not sure if my interests are the same as yours. <laughs> By the way, I I just
0: saw I just watched a great series on Netflix. I haven't found one in a long it time. Called? Dear Child was very good. It's a sweetest show. Six episodes. Excellent subtitles. Okay, I'm gonna look into subtitles. it. subtitles. Okay, it's like a slow burn thriller. You have to like that kind of. Show. It was awesome.
2: I get a little scared.
0: It's a little scary. I've I'm been known lie, to like scream
2: good. at the computer. Um,
0: so what <laughs> are you like when you're in the car? Are you like, listening to music? Are you
2: so? actually I listened to crime junkie podcast it's somehow much less scary when you're not watching it on TV although I am a law and order SVU girl too but I listened to crime junkie podcasts I actually had to drive home from New Jersey at the beginning of the summer when all those United flights got canceled mm. and I listened to crime junkie for 15 hours
0: how many j3 episodes did you listen to
2: well I I I'm new to the j3. <laughs>
0: Um, Let let me ask you a different question. It was Crime
2: Junkie only. Is it
0: true crime or is it?
2: It's true. true
0: Okay. I actually, I'm a true crime guy. Not Crime Junkie, but there's a couple other ones I listen to. It's an
2: excellent podcast. I'll
0: check it out. My question was, and this will be a lot more succinct, I promise. With popularity, I'm assuming comes negativity from, people call them trolls or people that like to Stir up controversy and get you going. How do you deal with people that, uh, whether it's a private message or they try to, you know, again, it, I don't know if it's jealousy or whatever it is, but clearly you must have experienced hate type of responses. Is that something that you're that you will respond to? Would you just ignore it? Do you fight back? What's your general approach to that?
2: So there are a hundred different answers to this question. First off, when it's anti-Semitic, which I do get because I'm not not just Jews. And Orthodox Jews follow me, which is great because I have more business. But when it's anti-Semitic, I do not engage. It's not worth it. You're not going to change their mind. And it's either an immediate block or just ignore. And now on TikTok, I've got like a cult of people who will jump in and like take care of it for me, <laughs> which is amazing about TikTok. It's like my favorite thing there. They really rally behind you. It's like a positive thing about TikTok. We're going to get a TikTok
0: page for the, for the pod.
2: It's a, it's a <laughs> oh. good thing.
0: We'll talk to the ex-co-host.
2: <laughs> it's one of the good things about parasocial relationships. They really feel like they are you, you are them, and they- Like the
1: Swifties. Yes.
0: You ever hear of those?
2: Oh, I've heard of them. <laughs> yeah. I'm part Swifty.
0: Did you go to the concerts when she was here?
2: No, and I made a viral video about all of the things I could buy if I didn't go to the Taylor Swift concert. That's
1: actually. Did you buy those things?
2: <laughs> well, I could buy about a thousand Diet Cokes-
0: and that's for cheap seats. Like yeah, for right? For what cheap they were going seats. For, yeah. So So the next three years you're drinking instead of going to a Swift concert. Literally. Okay. People
2: it really resonated with people. I could send my kids <laughs> to to camp for the summer. <laughs> those tickets were very expensive. They were. I went in college and I'll have to hold on to those <laughs> memories. Forever. You went to
1: Taylor Swift in college?
2: Yeah. When I was in college, I went to a Taylor Swift well, concert. Why
0: can't you comprehend that? I just, I the don't remember were, like
1: when she became
0: a thing. The tickets
2: were like $150 back
1: then. That was a lot even 10
0: years ago. We're yeah, on a tangent. Can go, let's go back to how you handle the haters.
2: Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I get very. There you go. Yeah. Um, so it depends who it is and it depends what the comment is. First of all, I've grown very thick skin and for the most part, I really don't care what other people think about me anymore. Like I really try and be a good person and I like justice and I love the right thing. Like when someone is parked in two spots, I don't like that at all. Our executive
0: producer has a whole story about that. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. Go ahead.
2: Like, I just, I don't like it. I, so
1: I need to cut. Okay, go, go, please. But
0: I have a thought on that. Don't let me forget. Don't forget. I have a thought too, but let's finish. But
2: like, So I know that I'm really always trying to do the right thing, and what I do is calculated. So I feel like I hardly ever give people reasons to not like me. First of all, I never discuss politics. I just have decided that I don't want my platform to be about that. So very, very divisive topics like that, I just don't bring up. But
0: once you're big enough, people will find reasons to hate you regardless.
2: For sure. Especially when it comes to diet culture and body positivity because they're telling me that by, that I'm incur First of all, I don't like the words like obese and overweight because that really is insinuating that there's a one right weight. But like people will say, well, you're encouraging people to... Die earlier or like, how could you even say things like that? You know, just a lot of comments. And first of all, they're a little triggering for me because I am an eating disorder recovery and I've worked so hard to internalize these messages. But like, you can't change everybody's mind. And that is something that you have to know. Like, I'm here to share my ideas. My platform is not an AIM group, you know, like it's not... A debate, you know, this is me, and people don't understand this about social media. They think, sure, people are allowed to have their opinions, but like, I'm not inviting you in for a discussion group. Mm -hmm. I am open to hearing your opinions, but if you want to argue with me all day, like, I don't have to deal with that. Like, that's not my job. You're here to consume content. I want to have conversations with you, but not if you're not going to be respectful about it. So, A lot of times I will respond, I pride myself on like very poignant, eloquent clapbacks. (sighs) Like I just shut people up. Like you have nothing to say because I say it in a very kind and respectful way. But like you've got nothing to argue with. It's like my favorite thing to do.
0: <laughs> and these are public <laughs> responses.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, so occasionally I'll send people a message if they DM me, but they've really got nothing to say after I, if they continue to engage with me and like, it's clear that they're not interested in hearing another viewpoint, which is so often the case when someone comes in and criticizes you, that's why it's like, do I engage? Do I not engage? Occasionally I will respond like one time. And then I will say publicly when they come back to me arguing more, I say, I'm going to bow out of this conversation now for my mental health and to, you know, withhold my sanity. And I wish you all the best. If you want to have another discussion, like please come back. But I.
0: So you take the high road in the end?
2: Always even though it's so hard. Listen, I have some people who are like in the industry and I can take the low road with them and vent where I need to vent, but it's not gonna be publicly. I pride myself, like I do not speak Lush and Hara. I really don't speak badly about people. If I don't like something that like, I'm reviewing like I'll go back to the company and say I don't like it before I publicly say I don't like it I only ever go to social media with like negativity if I think that that's the only way the company is going to respond to me
1: So this is actually not our first encounter and we might have beef (laughs) that we need to engage with and settle now Um, Listen, there was uh, I think it was like last year sometime in the winter um, (laughs) I was taking my kid which I I don't usually do I took my kid uh, for a drop-off carpool at a certain school that uh, I think our children both attend apparently. I didn't really know all the rules in terms of the carpool line, and I didn't, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> did
2: I, you I, go the wrong way?
1: No, but I didn't you cut pull, everyone off. Probably, I didn't. I didn't pull up all the way. You know, I'm talking about in the line when you get there for drop. Did off I give a little the, toot toot? Did uh, I beep? Yeah, there was there was some activity that was coming from you, and I didn't know who you were. And I'm like, what? Like, I didn't know. First of all, I didn't know what I did wrong. So I'm like, what is with this person? And then you know, the head of the early childhood, politely uh, <laughs> told me, <laughs> to pull told me that I have to pull up all the way. And I was like, what was that about? And someone's like, oh, that's Alyssa Goldwater of social media fame. <laughs> and then they're like, she's going to like blow up your <laughs> spine. You know that's it? great. So I actually had my sister monitor you <laughs> to be like, yo, if this, if this <laughs> chick like, says one thing about me, like, it's going to be war. But so, I didn't,
2: did see?
0: I? she took the high road. I think you did not.
1: The- so you took the higher. <laughs> road. You know what? I,
0: I have a similar story actually. Uh, you don't you done with your story? Your car yes, story? Okay. I'm done.
2: Do I need to ask you Machila now? <laughs>
0: no, you don't, because we're cool. It was fine.
2: I was just trying to help you out.
0: I guess so. By the way, well done. In your I, own I, way. In I, your own,
1: <laughs> in your own authentic way. By Wouldn't the way, it
0: have
2: been better if I got out of my car and was like, yo, buddy? Slash
1: my tires. Jordan
0: Jordan <laughs> knew exactly what he was doing, trust me. It's funny because when we were, you know, texting back and forth about you coming on the pod. I was texting you, and and you respond. You didn't respond, then you did respond, and then while we were kind of in a in a text conversation, you posted something. Um, oh, I ha- I have it yeah. up here. I have oh, it up. So no. just to get context, because Josh yeah, has on. trouble asking questions. That's true. So <laughs>
1: basically, Josh was reaching out to you to become a guest on our on our show, and during that time, Josh's spouse sent, was like, "Oh my god, she's you know." Well, let like, me tell the stories. Uh, I get a text <laughs> from
0: my wife saying, "What did you say to Lisa Goode?" I'm like. Nothing. I asked her to come, and she, could, she goes, "No, no, you, you did something." Like she's, she's posting about you. I'm like, "What are you talking about?" Because I guess at the time you were saying something about like the read, read what I, I think it was something where I know so, exactly you know what, what you're talking about. Well, like well, this well, thirty well, year old men that think they could just do. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm like, I, 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 I was so you. nice. Oh, that was Clearly, not there's you. more to the situation <laughs> that, that I won't get you. into <laughs> here.
1: But I'm also really done with Jewish thirty something. <laughs> And ex- expletive men you who, still, really who still think research. they're frappo <laughs> bros, who think they're the expletive, think again. So, when you can't even speak respectfully to a woman who owns <laughs> her own business, you're not the something. And, uh, and Josh so is sending me this freaking out. I'm like, like what did I I'm do like wrong? I'm like rereading
0: my message. I'm like, there was nothing I said there that was like inappropriate. And first of all, I'm older than 30, but, and, and, sh- and my wife is like, no, you did something like, you. what did you, let me read your text. I'm like, I didn't do anything. And then oh my I, I found that it was not me. It was
2: not you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what was that about that? Well, that would be Lush and Hara. There you go. I had an interesting encounter with a business owner in Miami who we had done something with together previously and he expected that i would give him everything for free <laughs> as if this was not like my giving business. free po- like
1: right. posting about his stuff for free
2: beyond the scope of our agreement and he he <laughs> one line really got me he was like you think we would give you this blank right for free. And I'm like, what do you mean for free? I did the scope of our, it was a, it was a barter. So there was no monetary exchange. I rarely do barters now, but I really wanted to do it. It was an experience. He said like, you think I would give you this blank for free? And I was like, For free, (laughs) you know, like, I gave you a lot of exposure. That was the scope of the agreement. Now, what you're asking for is beyond the scope of our agreement. I don't like it. It's a thing. Like, people don't understand influencers to, like, it's just now becoming really understood what we do. And it's very frustrating to be undermined. Like, the content I'm creating for you is nothing. Like, this is my Parnassa. I am a very active participant in the financial health of my family like this is my business you know i don't like to be disrespected
1: <laughs> <laughs> do you think it's a little like overboard though attributing his behavior to men in general i mean i feel no or think, is it is it do you find it more common with men than women listen. or is that you know like i need i need to do my job we're all okay. friends now, I, have to de- I have to defend the patriarchy like, no problem <laughs>
2: okay well well well, um, <laughs> listen, I I think maybe it could be that I was a little bit triggered. You okay, know, I okay. went to college and I had,
1: you know, the Sammy's guys, the CBT. The CBT yeah. yeah.
2: Like some bad experiences with the frat bros. Um, okay. And it's just like, I don't like people who aren't respectful of other people. I just don't like that, it.
1: That's fair. Here's my question. I actually watched on Netflix recently. I was on a plane. I needed something. And um, I watched this documentary about uh, Jake Paul, who started as a like a... I think actually... What was that thing before Instagram and TikTok? Not Tumblr. It was... Uh, Vines. He was a Vine star that became a huge TikTok star, him and his brother. They were, you know, millions and millions and millions of followers, a huge personality. Got into some trouble, said some things. There were some activities that whatever made him a villain and kind of took away that earning power. And he, as a result, you know, it was like the, you know, I don't know. I don't want to say it was cancel culture or not, but he ran into trouble and ended up pivoting as a result and has become kind of a very successful boxer and has been making money doing that. Obviously, social media is very fragile these days in terms of what you may or may not say or doing the right thing. You could be caught on a hot mic saying, so, or maybe something that you say today, and it, that could get, you know, don't, don't could worry. It, that could, <laughs> I'm just saying if we, we if could that parking go,
2: situation we, gets yeah, me correct. canceled, right. then uh, I'm, um, I'm coming right. for you. So I'm going to need a job.
1: You could go viral. We have, the, we have an opening. If you went, let's say if you went viral for the wrong reason, that's got to be on your mind. If you say a certain thing that, you know, all of a sudden the followers dwindle, the partnerships, that opportunity is not there. Have you thought about your next move? Should that Should this kind of cease to continue?
2: Listen, I really try not to think about that because I could never go back to working for someone else in an office. Like, I'm not made for that. Obviously, it's important to have your own audience that you own. Like we don't own social media, obviously, like Instagram or TikTok could literally go away overnight. And that would be horrible. You own your email list. You own your website. So it's important to try and monetize in other ways. Like I speak, do speaking engagements. Listen, if people didn't want to hear from me anymore, that would be terrible. And I know I don't know what I would do. I'm trained to be an elementary school teacher. And I can tell you (laughs) that I don't want to do that. I like volunteering at school, but I'm happy to leave after an hour and a half, you know? Give, get. You got it. Yep. <laughs> that's where I'm <laughs> just, just- learned about that. I'm just coming from <laughs> give, get right now. I was in the library this morning. Oh, will work, yeah.
1: But is that something that's on your mind? Like, I better not slip up and say the wrong thing?
2: Listen, that's one of the reasons why I don't talk about politics, because it is like the most divisive topic in the entire world world. What are
1: your thoughts on the recent
0: debates?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. <laughs> I mean, no,
0: no matter what you say, people are going to be angry. Nice so. try. Right. You,
2: you can't win right. and it's not worth it. And I don't like fighting with people. You know, I am a definite perfectionist and I'm tr- like, I'm trying to work on my perfectionism um, and realize that it is okay if some people don't like me. And even if something I say is right, but it makes somebody else upset, like, that's okay too.
0: Well, I feel if people don't like you, that could even help the followers, right? Because people like listen love to when hate. there's
2: controversy, right. people come. You know, I did I spoke about something maybe like a month and a half ago about brands who claim to be size inclusive but are not actually plus size friendly, meaning like they have it to check a box, but like they stick us in the back of the store and their sizes are super skewed and like. They don't have any models that are plus size. So like, what's the point? Cause it's so hard for us to shop. And it was overwhelmingly positive, most of it. And then there were a couple of businesses (sighs) that were very triggered by it. I don't start stuff to like get attention. It just, people are such yentas that they can't help themselves. (sighs) Um, So sure, when I've got something going on, like, it is more exciting than when there's not something going on. Like, when I came back, I took a hiatus from social media in January. I had, like, a little bit of a health situation. Thank God everything is fine. And also, I realized that I was just getting mad at people all the time for their comments, mostly, like, Jews claiming to be, like, holier than thou and, like, how from of you is that to, like, call out another from you on social media and say, like, you don't keep kosher because you drink Diet Coke from Chick-fil-A? Like, first of all, you're publicly embarrassing me. They, would, definitely,
0: they would they would post that publicly? Oh,
2: yeah. Uh-huh. Like, I'll tell you a story. So literally I got, um, I was getting my nails done by a man because there were no other options. And I didn't want to wait. I didn't have time to wait. And I made a TikTok saying that like theoretically it is okay to have a man do your nails because that's his, you know, profession, whatever. This guy named Chaim came into the comments on my TikTok and was like saying, you know, it's not the same as a doctor. I was not saying that it was the same right. as a doctor. Basically like saying that it was so wrong. And I said, you know, Chaim, like show Mary Naim. Why are you watching me on social media? And Boom. And like, why are you speaking Lush and Hara? Why are you publicly embarrassing me? Why are you not giving me Don Lakov's Like, I just showed you like four Averas over there, and I'm not even doing anything wrong. So I was really just again with the clapbacks, I really like them. <laughs> uh, uh, you,
0: you know Jordan's Hebrew name is Chaim, but <laughs> that's true. Was it you? <laughs>
2: Gosh, I hope it was I'm kidding. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> <laughs> But I was just getting really upset with Jews and I didn't want to be upset. So I took a whole break in January. And the point of that whole story was when I came back, my engagement was through the roof. Because of that. Yes. People were like, what happened? They wanted to know where I was and like what was going on. And my engagement actually has been consistently higher. Obviously it's dropped from like the comeback. But I came back in a very, you know, strategic way where I just was gonna be like a glass wall and like see what people were saying and be able to respond and engage with it. But it was just gonna roll off me like water at the end of the day.
1: You got to keep the people wanting more. So what's next? How do you, Are you know, are, are there aspirations to blow up in even a, a bigger way, you know, like maybe I saw recently one of our uh, favorite tour personalities out there is doing a big Shabbaton with huge sponsorships and all that. Josh will both be attending as <laughs> as uh, correspondents for the J3 podcast in Connecticut, November. Anything like that, like a retreat or a group, you know, kind of bringing your people together or some type of big brand production, anything big out there? Or should we just continue following and, you know, watching... Kind of daily life go
2: i mean definitely continue following i obviously like numbers at the end of the day are vain and it's just vanity because as long as you've got the engagement and you're making money then like you don't really need the numbers so but, obviously but, but you,
0: you watch them though I'm yeah
2: saying. yeah of course like i've got goals as far as that but as far as real life stuff I'm actually right now working with an organization called Amudim, similar but different to Upward. And we're doing the Miami Marathon in January and I opened it up where people can join my team and essentially come and have a retreat with me in Miami. I'm planning special things for my team. So we've got a few people signed up already and I'm hoping to get more. At the end of the day, I would really love to lead body positive women trips to location, like to kosher locations, like to the Bahamas, things like that. And just to do more speaking engagements. I could really talk about anything, but you know, my like pressure (laughs) points are, you know, mental health, body positivity. Type 1 diabetes support. My son is a diabetic. And now I guess I could talk about dogs now, too. But there you go.
1: (laughs) But preferably in, you know, warm climate places.
2: During the winter. During the winter.
1: (laughs) Nice. Oh, I want to ask, last question. Are you aware of competition out there in terms of other social media people, whether it's, let's say, locally in Chicago? Like, do you see people on your tail and kind of think, like, you know, get sharp elbows, like, this person's up and coming, either competitively, or do you see kind of people that you want to take under your wing and help out?
2: Listen, I think it's... Top three. I think it's in our nature. Top three what?
1: (laughs) Top three (laughs) up-and-comers. Competitors. Let her answer the question.
2: (laughs) I think it's hard to... I think everyone would just like to be like, yeah, I stay in my own lane, no problem. Listen, when I see other people growing and it feels hard for me to grow, it's hard to not feel anything, but it's like having a colleague, like you talk to other influencers that you're very close to and we sort of keep each other in check and remind ourselves that like all we need to be doing is focusing on ourselves and continue what we're doing. So I'm always happy to have people, happy to help people. people. I don't even really have time. I used to consult and like mentor people a little bit as like part of my business, but I really just, I don't have time anymore. My, it's the
1: dog. I got gotcha. you. But you're happy for our success, right?
2: Oh, very happy. I don't Thank see you. you guys as competition. Not because, you're you not, will soon. not because you're not going to be great. I just think we have, I think it's different demographics. Yeah, yeah. Like you're not doing plus size fashion.
0: We can. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we're, open, we're open to it. We're definitely open to it. <laughs> send us send us free I'll, stuff.
2: I'll yeah. send you my contacts. Okay,
0: awesome. Yeah. yeah well, no. Hopefully this will get you at, um, you know, some... Uh, crossover. Uh, crossover. Some, yeah. some, and some same of our for you guys. We love it. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So, okay, well,
1: thank you so much for coming for on. Coming this on. was enlightening and fun. So we really appreciate your time.
2: Thanks for having me, and you guys really did your research. I'm very impressed. It was all
0: Jordan. Oh, it was all high. This I was probably
2: say. the funniest <laughs> It was one of the funnest podcasts I've ever, I've ever done. It
0: wasn't the funnest.
2: Oh, I don't like to. You
0: should.
1: Fl-
0: <laughs> <laughs> on that note. On that note.